By now, we all know that social media plays a major role in the lives of so many real estate agents and brokers. Some of us even consider ourselves experts in using social media. But Bill Lublin actually wrote the book. As CEO of the Social Media Marketing Institute, Bill was tasked with rewriting the NARS ePro technology certification back in 2010. Then again, in 2015, he rewrote it. But Bill isn't just a social media expert. He's also served as CEO of Century 21 Advantage Gold in Philadelphia, one of the largest real estate firms in the U.S. for over 30 years. It's no wonder Bill is a highly sought after speaker and educator, or that he's won dozens of awards, including being inducted into Realtors Hall of Fame. In this interview, Bill outlines the right way to talk about yourself and your business on social media and explains why commission splits should be the least of your worries as an agent. Hi, I'm Leighton Dees from Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate Generations. Hi everyone, I'm Shay Hada with Berkshire Hathaway Koenig Rubloff. Hi, this is Bill Lublin from Century 21 Advantage Gold in Philadelphia, and you're listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Bill, I am honored to have you on the show. Really, thank you so much. Um, you know, I've been... I think we met in 2012, which is not that long ago, but it seems like a lifetime. And you have been very influential in how I think about the industry, which you probably don't know that. No, that's very kind of you. I, I feel like I may have led you astray. <laughs> well, you know, for someone that, I mean, you've done a whole bunch of stuff. So you've been in the business for quite a long time. Um, and you've got this amazing brokerage, uh, Century 21 Advantage Gold. Um, I'd love to start there. Like, one, how did you how did you get into the business? That, that's something I don't think I've ever heard. So um, when I came out of college, uh, I, I wanted to be an English teacher. And there were not a lot of teaching jobs. And my dad worked for a real estate broker who had a new home development that he was representing in South Philadelphia at Second in Oregon. And um, he said, I can get you a job if you'd like sitting the model house there temporarily. Yeah. So um, I went and babysat these model houses and I got my license, um, really thinking that it would be very temporary. I, I really um, had almost disdain for salespeople. Um, you know, I was a, 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 you know, a young guy out of school. And, you know, my perspective was that of the late 60s and early 70s, um, where the baby boom was going to change the world. Uh, that was, of course, before we found that the world was going to end up changing us. Yeah. Um, and I got started, I was, uh, in, in the first year that I was in the real estate business, I was possibly the worst salesperson <laughs> that, that anybody ever had. I was terrible. I was a 21 year old guy who was more interested in late nights and beautiful women than I was in, um, selling real estate. 
and I would drag my butt in it in the morning and I would, um, I, it, it just, it seemed overwhelming to me. There was really so much, there were so many moving parts to the real estate business, even back then, um, that it, it's funny, I, I, not to get off topic, but when I hear people talk about what they do today, yeah, as real estate agents, I find that we have a terribly hard time articulating what we do because we do so many different things that aren't all connected to each other, yeah. but are part of this big gestalt that, that is the real estate industry. Yeah. You know, and, and then I was sort of overwhelmed by it. I didn't understand what it meant to go out on a listing presentation. I really didn't understand, um, you know, how to help people make good decisions that they would not have made if I were not present, which is how I define sales. Yeah. Um, you know, I knew some of the basic stuff I had taken the courses. I knew how many, uh, you know, how many square feet were in an acre and, you know, I knew the difference between rods and links and chains and, and the archaic measurement we have on the East coast. Yes. Um, but at the end of a year, the, the broker that I was working for, um, adjusted my draw. See, we used to get like a weekly check uh-huh. and then you would either be, you would sell properties and you would either be ahead of your draw or behind. Either you took more money than you had sold or you had made more money than you collected. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. Okay. So at the end of a year, the broker of the company came to me and he cut my magnificent draw from, uh, I think I was making a hundred dollars a week to $75 a week because I was so bad. And, and bear in mind, bear in mind, by the way, that my father was his top salesperson because my dad was really a great consultive kind of salesperson who um, really understood intuitively how to, how to help people get what they want, get where they wanted to go. Yeah. So, um, I got, I got a job offer from another company and I thought, let me do this and I will make a fresh start of it because I'd sort of messed this, really messed up in this place. And I, I went to work for a guy who said to me, you come in at nine in the morning and you work until nine at night. And um, the first thing I want you to do in the morning is I want you to take the class. We had these things called newspapers back then. Yes, I remember yeah. them well. Right. And we had classified advertising sections. And because the MLS had a seven to 14 day lag on new listings, you would take the classified and you would call all of the listings in your marketplace. Because if you got a listing on Monday, you could have it in the, in the newspaper by Tuesday or Wednesday, but it would only appear as an address in the multiple either that Friday or the following Friday. Mm. So there's really a long lag time. Yeah. So I, I went there and I started working diligently and I learned uh, something that I still feel is true, which is that there is no substitute for a good work ethic. Yes. You know, talent is wonderful. Great ideas are amazing, but execution is key. Yeah. Um, and I, I developed a really good work ethic. And by the end of a year, I had become his best salesperson because I was just really a hardworking guy. I would take people out. I would show them homes. And after I showed them 
the three homes. I would ask them if they would buy one. And if they didn't like one, I would make an appointment right there before I let them leave for my next appointment. And I would always say the same thing to them. And that is, listen, I'm really new in the business and I don't care what home you buy as long as you buy a a house that you enjoy because I hope that when you buy your home and you enjoy it, that you'll think of me when you go to sell it and you'll think of me when your friends need to buy. And I said that to everyone that I showed a home to, gee, probably for the first two, three years I was in business. Um, At the end of my year with him, I was way ahead of my draw because I had started doing well and it started working hard, which of course is the key to success in this business or any other. Yeah. And um, I had someone come to me and ask me to manage their office, which consisted of one salesperson, me, (laughs) um, them and their property management. But he was a past president of the local board of realtors and very well known in the area. And I thought he would be a good guy to learn from. And I worked for him for the next uh, nine years of my career. And I, I went and got my broker's license not because I ever wanted to open a business, but because my dad said to me, you never know, you can't have too much education. And if you get a license, you never know one day you might want it. And uh, he passed away in uh, 77, two years after I got my license. So he never saw that we opened up. But uh, I have in the intervening 40 years thought many, many times about his saying that. Because had I not gotten my broker's license, um, I would not have managed an office. I would not have taken the shot to open an office uh, when that opportunity came later on. And I would not be the CEO of the number one Century 21 company in Pennsylvania. He he sounds like a great man. Yeah, he was a good guy. Listen, we, we... our, our fathers should all be our, our fathers and mothers should all be our heroes and we should try to be heroes to our kids. Yeah, definitely. You know, so that's a great and, story. I love that. Yeah. And then I just worked for the intervening several decades. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I find interesting, you're in one of the most competitive markets in the country. Like how, what sets you guys apart? Like, how are you able to maintain, like you've been the number one century 21, you know, brokerage in Pennsylvania for quite a while. Like, how do you do that? So we, um, we work with a lot of first time home buyers. We do a lot of, uh, investment stuff. We see, I, I, I have this basic philosophy and there's a lot of things we do. I mean, we create a leads rich environment for our agents. Um, we, feel very strongly that um, we want to be tied to the success of our agents. We want to help them be more successful and we want them to be okay that um, that their success and the company's success are tied together. I, I've never really had an interest in having a, a desk fee or virtual operation because I love watching my sales associates be recognized regionally and nationally for their sales successes and to see that the, the homegrown um, success stories that we've created. Yeah. You know, somebody said something to me recently that I thought was pretty neat. 
um, about their company structure. They said our commission structure has no cap because our service to our agents has no cap. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I, I sort of like that. I mean, we, we call ourselves, um, a Goldilocks company because we're large enough to have every tool that national and international companies have for their agents and for their consumers. And yet we're, and, and, you know, we're financially stable and, you know, we have a history in the area and yet we're small enough that every agent in my company has my cell phone so that they can reach me at any time, no matter where in the world I'm, I am. I think that's what I love about this industry is, you know, this is really an industry of entrepreneurs and when at its best, when done right, it's not only about, you know, one's own success, but it's really, it's about celebrating and empowering the success of others because you can't really grow the company without that. I mean, I, that's what I love about entrepreneurship, but I really, it's very apparent in real estate because like you, in many ways you eat what you kill. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way, like, but if you don't go sell something, your desk, your, your draw gets reduced, meaning that you're just not going to get a commission. But I do love that so much, um, about the real estate industry. So, you're not just running a brokerage. You're also a long time ago. It seems like you started a social media marketing Institute. You've done the ePro, uh, you wrote a book, the ePro tech certification, or I think it's a book or the, the author of the program. Um, like you've done a whole bunch of stuff. Like what aren't you doing? Um, well, I'm not stopping. Well, I know that. That's, I, that's one thing I'm not, <laughs> um, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with my life. You know, I've been, you know, we, I, I tell people that, that I, I come from modest means cause it's not nice to say that you grew up without any money. Yeah. But, but I come from modest means and, and I have a life that, that I, I just wake up some mornings and I'm stunned. You know, I got to teach in Dubai last year. That's I awesome. got to teach real, I got to travel literally halfway around the world to stand in front of a group of people and talk to them about the differences in how, how real estate is sold in their country and our country and help them um, operate their businesses better by teaching the CRB course there. Mm -hmm. So I, that, that amazes me. And in January of last year, I was in the Canadian Rockies talking to Canadian realtors who are among my favorite human beings in the world. Um, because they are just the, the ones that I have met and that I'm lucky enough to call friends are just so dedicated to doing the job right and have such great work ethics. And I hate to keep coming back to that, but, but I think that's key to success because in, in our business, and, and I, I think this is sort of a flaw in the business that um, in, in our business agents sort of focus on um, trying to get the highest commission split. And they don't realize that it doesn't matter how big your commission split is. You only make money in the business if you do volume. Yeah. It, it's it, getting, getting 150% of any given commission doesn't mean you don't have to, that you don't wake up unemployed the next day. So it's really more about, about doing that volume and doing the same thing again and again and doing well. So I'm, I'm lucky in that I've, I've gotten to teach. I've gotten to speak. Um, I've met some amazing people in the business. 
Um, I've had the pleasure of working on NAR committees that um, that change the words that are in the code of ethics. Yeah, and that that change the um, the policies and issues of MLSs all over the United States. So that when I look at that, the thing that I'm most proud of in my life is not that I've I've built a wonderful business, though I'm very proud of that, and it's not that. Um, that we've become very successful or that I was able to do well financially and and do well for my family. But, but aside from having a wonderful marriage and an amazing son, the thing that that professionally I'm, I'm most proud of is that I've actually done things that impacted over a million real estate professionals in making the industry a better place for them to work in. That's cool. You know, and when I think of that, that like blows my mind. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, so, so and t- I get to meet you. Yes, I know. And I get to see you quite often. It's really nice. Yes. Um, so tell me, you know, when you, st- I'm going to switch to the stuff you did with, or you're doing with social media marketing Institute. Sure. I mean, you focus on, at the time, which we all used to call web 2.0 strategies and many listeners probably don't even know what that means, but you know, what does that mean today? Like what's different today than it was, let's say three or five years ago. Well, you know, so, so years in technology, as you know, being a technology kind of guy, in addition to your marketing. So are like when, when, when this dog years was real, really began being a big thing back around 2007, 2008, 2006. Everybody was trying to figure out what the impact of a, a, an an internet that had a dialogue going on that had as, as Brian Solis called, that had, had this conversation going on 24 seven. Yeah. Um, And we thought that it would be a tremendous change to inbound marketing. And I think there's a lot of that to content-based marketing, which is very important. Um, and the sort of the end of broadcast marketing and more of these dialogues, building social capital, creating social relationships. But, you know, humanity bends its environment to its will. Yeah, It, it often does not bend to the environment. So what happened was over the last four or five years, people began using this really wonderful social networking opportunity as a platform for broadcast advertising. So I I, I said this, I was on um, uh, NAR's uh, real estate radio show. And I, I said, I don't think anybody's ever woken up in the morning and said, you know what? I'm going to go check Facebook and Twitter and see what's for sale in my neighborhood. (laughs) And yet real estate people constantly throw new listings, open houses coming soon into the stream so that, that where seven years ago, we were just trying to teach people how to dip their feet in the stream and do it in an ethical, effective uh, and, and business directed manner. And now we're sort of trying to teach them how to get their signal heard above the noise around them, how to uh, 
um, reach out and communicate with people in a meaningful way, how to provide what the other people are looking for. I mean, I don't think the basics have changed. It's just that everybody jumped into the pool and um, we seem to lose as a species, we seem to lose IQ points when we get behind a keyboard. <laughs> I think you're right. You know, and, and we do stuff that we would never do if we were in a social environment. You know, we, we'd never have the conversation. We'd never say that thing. We'd never do the real world uh, version of that thing. Um, I, and I think some people really get it and they have it. Um, you know, you said before you, you, um, you kill what you catch or you kill what you hunt. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, that realtors have to be, we have to learn to hunt fish and farm. Yes. And, and the difference between the three of them is the farm is the long-term relationship that we develop. The fishing is our attempt to reach people that are closer to action than in our farm. And then, you know, hunting is of course answering the inquiry that comes in off the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we have to do, we have to do all three of those things and we have to do them in a thoughtful, um, effective, consistent, productive manner. And, um, and sensitive at the same time. Oh, but always, always. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the, you know, people talk about being aggressive and, and I think, you know, aggressive has a pejorative connotation. I think that salespeople, good salespeople need to be assertive without being aggressive, mm-hmm. you know, because people don't always want they, they don't always want to do what is in their best interest. Sometimes they want to do what's easiest. Sometimes they want to do um, what appears to have the least change. But but those things are not always the best things for them. Yeah. You know, and, and we need to be we need to be able to have those. The, the new word is fierce conversations, you know, as opposed to they used to be called hard conversations. But we need to have the conversations. We have to talk about, well, gee, Seth, you told me you needed A, B, and C. And and the way we're going, we're only going to get A and B. But if we do this other thing that you're not comfortable doing, we can get you A, B, and C. And over a period of four or five or seven years, this is how that will play out for you. Yeah. Yeah. So you recently rewrote ePro, at least that's what I understand. How has your thinking about the course changed since you first started working on it? So in, in, in 2008, uh, the very end of 2008, I had lost my wife very suddenly. Yes. I, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. And I, um, to, to fill some of my time, I, 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 I began creating a course because I felt nobody was teaching people in our business, how to use social media in an effective and ethical manner. And so I created this um, certified social marketing course, the CSM. And uh, NAR approached us in, at, uh, towards the end of 2009, beginning of 2010, 
and we agreed to rewrite the EPRO at that time. And, and really, the, the first day of the EPRO was, was really a lot of communication theory. Um, we talked about um, inbound marketing. We talked about the long tail. Um, we, we, we talked about um, how to approach this new technology. Um, in 2015, we did another rewrite because when we started the course, I used to stand up in a room and go, how many of you are on Facebook? And today we, and, and, you know, one or two hands would go up. And today when we teach the course, I ask, so who in the room is not on Facebook? And generally we get one or two yeah. who are not on Facebook, but you know, the social channels have become ubiquitous. Some, you know, uh, people still don't understand Twitter though. Twitter, I think has changed uh, a lot since Aston Kutcher broke it. Um, <laughs> You know, when he got a, when he got his first million followers. Yeah, I remember changed, that. Right. He changed from a conversational platform um, to a broadcast. To a broadcast. Uh, yep. Right. Um, Facebook, of course, has morphed and become ubiquitous. You know, you've got grandmom and grandpop and mom and dad and the adult kids and the little kids on Facebook. You know, everybody's got a Facebook account. Um, there are uh, MySpace uh, of course, came, went, came and went again. Um, and all, all of these channels have, have just grown and morphed. You know, people came up with great ideas. They got bought by other companies. They cashed out. They went south. They couldn't figure out how to make money from it. Whatever, whatever happened, that the, um, the landscape is constantly changing. So in 2015, our rewrite on the first day talks about um, hub and spokes, which is something we've talked about for a long time. Yeah. Talks about uh, SEO and, and SEM. It talks about um, pay per click and pay per mile. Uh, it talks about, um, you know, 10 apps that'll help you with your business. Um, it's much more focused on now that you've got it, here's what to do with it. Yeah. Kind not, of. Stuff. Not that here, here it exists, it's, it's now m more applicable. Right, right. Like you, you should already. It was funny when we when we did the first course, they wanted to have a section on how to go into Facebook and set up your profile. Yeah, which was important at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Though I, I, I sort of felt then, and I feel now that that's the easy part of it. Yeah. Sadly, I, I still see people in the real estate business that go in and don't fill in their work, uh, their work section with their their employing broker and their license number. And all the things that the Department of Real Estate would like them to have, yeah. that the Code of Ethics requires they have. I see way too many um, CEO with self-employed, CEO of myself, you know, um, I mean, just these are all very poetic things, but but it's not really what that section's for. Yeah. So we do talk a little bit about trying to create a digital footprint that's recognizable you know, that says what you really are, not, um, you, you know, it's funny when we talk, we, we used to do an exercise in the last EPRO where we would ask people to fill out their profile um, in a couple hundred characters, enough to fill out a Twitter profile. And they would all start with the same thing. Realtor in whatever. Yeah. Loves people loves houses, 
Like, and, and the sad thing is nobody really cares about that. Like when you go to your doctor or your lawyer or, or frankly, your butcher or your baker or your candlestick maker, you, you really don't care if he loves his job. You care if he's good at his job and you care about how he connects with you. And, and getting people to talk more about their social places, um, uh, past military service, the uh, teams they like, the schools they attended, the hobbies they have, the passions of their life, where people really can interconnect with them was sort of a, a, a paradigm shift for many people. But we're getting better at it. Yeah. That sort of you know leads me to something I think you've done very well at, which is, I'll use the term personal branding, but I don't necessarily mean the look at me aspect of that, but it's really about creating awareness about oneself in a community and in a tribe. You know, these days with, with the portals and all the information out there, a lot of agents are still struggling to separate themselves from their, you know, from their surroundings, from the noise that you mentioned. What do you say to these folks? Like what, what is the key to a great personal brand today? I, I, to me, it's authenticity. It's being genuine. Um, I'm, you know, it's funny. People talk about um, transparency a lot. You know, that's a huge buzzword. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of transparency. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of some things being transparent, but I sort of like translucency. And I'm a huge fan of being authentic and being genuine. And the, the example I give is I have no desire to watch a sausage get made. But I do <laughs> want to know if it's all beef or not. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. So for me, I mean, I'm. Uh, you know, thankfully, I'm, I'm in a, well, I think I was always at this place in my life. I don't even want to say that, that hackney thing where I'm at this place in my life where I can do this. I think I actually did this when I was 17, 18, 19, and 20. I'm me. I love comic books. Yeah. I love movies. I love to read. I love my city. I like my sports teams. I love to travel. I really enjoy people. I love art. I like science fiction. And there are a gazillion people that like movies and comics and science fiction and traveling. And, oh, I like to eat too. I didn't mention that. But I, I do know that. Yeah. God, no, I, I, I love, a, there's a place in uh, West LA if, next time you get out there uh, called the little door that, that I ate at uh, with my son and daughter-in-law and girlfriend and kids uh, last week. That's awesome. If you get out there, is it the slanted door or the little door? No, it's called the little door. Okay. I'm in two weeks. I'm going to be there. So I'll look at yeah, it. The food was really, really good. And it was a really enjoyable experience. Okay. Um, so, so I can find things in common and I'm always that person. I don't have to remember to be that guy. Yeah. That's you naturally. Right. Right. So I think that's, I, I mean, most of the realtors I've met, you know what? They're charitable. They're, they're, they're family oriented. They're community oriented. They're, they live and die with the success of the people that are near to them. And those are endearing traits. So if you can do that stuff and just share that stuff, you will find other people like you that, that share that. For example, there are people that like the Dallas Cowboys. God knows why, <laughs> but, but they do. 
and and when they find each other, they they have things to talk about and to share, and, you know, to 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 commiserate about. Right. And, and to, and to feel connected with. Yes. And that's where I think we really can excel. Yeah. Um, so I want to just to sort of wrap up on that note, which is let's say I'm joining your brokerage. What do you, what do you tell me to do? Like, I'm sure you send me through some training, but like, how do you advise me? I'm a new agent. I've like convinced you to let me join your team and I need some help. Um, there's, well, see, the first thing I'd find out is what help you need. Yeah. So if you wanted to list, I would tell you what the sources of listings are. Okay. The short term and long term, you know, uh, geographic, there are four sources of listings, geographic farming, sphere of influence, expireds and for sale by owners. All, all listings come from those four things. Yeah. And, and we would talk about the need to prospect. What, what I would say to anybody, um, I, the, the key thing is, for me, is learning how to message, um, learning how to prospect, rather, uh, learning how to look for business. We generate a lot of leads. We generated close to 14,000 leads last year that we distributed to our agents after they were scrubbed. Yeah. Not counting, says, you know, uh, call opportunities from signs and everything else. Um, and, and that's a good, you can make a living from that. Yeah. But, but you want to learn how to hunt fish and farm. And, and that prospecting is to me, the key that you're you, to remember that you're what, however good a day you have today, you're going to wake up tomorrow unemployed. Yeah. And you need to find somebody to hire you. I like that. I like that a lot. So let's switch gears for a moment to do on the other side of that um, and focus on brokers for a minute. You teach a lot of courses and I know a a couple of them have to do specifically with running and recruiting a successful sales team. What's your advice for brokers trying to attract great talent? Um, I think you have to understand your value proposition. Um, I don't ever think you should hire someone um, because of the, because of your commission split. I, I think when you buy an agent, you actually, I, I don't believe you can buy an agent. I believe you can only rent them because if you, if you try to buy an agent by giving them some kind of goofy commission split, it's unsupportable. You end up with an unhealthy company and some other person is going to come up with a business model that's even sillier than yours. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be attracted to that. I mean, there, there are people that I've watched over the years create business models that I scratched my head and said, I can't figure out how they can be profitable. And the minute the market slowed down, they closed. Yeah. Because they weren't profitable. I mean, we're, I, I remember saying to, to one of my, I might've been the top agent of my company at the time years ago, who was already at a, a very generous commission split. And just sort of thought like it was a new year. She should come in and renegotiate ask for more. Yeah. And I said, look, I, I, I said, you, you've, and, and my wife uh, was alive at the time. She said, you, you've met my wife. She's a beautiful woman. She said, yeah. I said, you've been to my house. I, I live in a nice house, right? I had a dog at the time. I said, you've met my dog. I have a great dog. I had a black lab. Yeah. I said, I said, I. I, I said the reason I point that out to you 
is because I actually come to work every day to make a living. If I didn't come into work to be profitable, I would stay home with my beautiful wife in my beautiful home and play with my beautiful dog. If it's not okay with you that I make a living, this probably is not a good place for you to work. Yeah. We have to both be committed to the success of the other. Now, I believe that people that sell more should make more. So, I mean, we have a very aggressive, you know, our commission schedule goes to 90% um, for people that sell enough stuff to warrant being paid 90%. Yeah. You know, but the guy who comes in and who's doing a half a million, a million dollars in production a year is not that guy. Yeah, that's so I think enough. you have to you have to be aware of what it takes for your company company to be profitable. I, I think you have to know your company's story. We provide and, and, and our story, for example, is we provide an opportunity rich environment for our agents through our digital marketing program, our affiliation with the largest reloc- third party relocation country in the in the country and the amount of REO business that we do. So and 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 the technology that we make available for them to execute. So our agents have a higher per person productivity than the average in our multiple listing service or the average within our brand. And that's our story. If you want to be more successful, if you want to do more units than you're doing now, if you want to make more money, not a higher percentage, but more dollars in your pocket, then we're a great company to come work with. You know, and 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 that we're and hopefully that's going to attract the person that is compatible with our culture. That makes complete sense. I, you know, it sounds like it's a. It almost sounds like about being really clear about who you are and who you aren't, because I think like when I hear other folks, especially I've I've have talked to lots of brokerages that aren't as solvent. And don't have as clear of a story for how they're running their business, but also how they message that to the outside world. I think that that becomes the challenge. Oh, I, I agree. Listen, I this last recession and I, I've been through four of them, but the last recession was really a tough one. And I'm proud to say that, that during that recession, we didn't lay anybody off. We didn't ask anybody to take reductions. And we didn't burn through our cash reserves. That's huge. And, and, and the interesting part of that is the last statement, I think, that we actually run a business that had cash reserves. Yeah. I think that's probably shocking to most. Yeah. I mean, when I say it to people, I'm always looking to see if they react to that line. Because to me, that was a big deal. And, and for many years, when I started the business, I didn't have a cash. Well, I, my cash reserve was whatever assets I owned. Yeah. You exactly. Know, but, But uh, I mean, you know, after going through a thing, we said, you know, when the market turns down, we want to make sure that we have cash available if there are mergers and acquisition opportunities to make sure that our people don't have to do without tools or facilities that we don't have to close for any non-business related reason. You know, if you close an office because it's not making money, that's one thing. Yeah. But if you close an office because you can't afford to pay the bills. Yeah, that's that's sad. Yeah, that's negligence. You know, and, and you want to you want to try to have have those reserves, provide that stable platform for your agents. Um, and, and, you know, that's 
And because of that, many of the employees I have have been with me for decades, you know, because their jobs are secure. Yeah. You know, and, and that and as a result, we have some really high quality staff people providing the support for what I think are some really high quality sales associates. So finally, I always want to ask, where do you look for inspiration? Where do I look for inspiration? Yeah. Like what are your favorite books, blogs, plays, you know, like what you talk to lots of folks and you travel a lot and you, you know, I've, I've had some meals with you, which have been wonderful. And you, you seem to celebrate life. Where do you, where do you draw inspiration from? Um, gee, I don't know that there's any, that there's any one place. Okay. I mean, I'm, I, you know, in, in my lifetime, sadly, I went through an awful lot of loss. So I lost my mom when I was 11, mm-hmm. my dad, when I was 25, uh, my sister, when I was, I guess in, in my late forties and that was my immediate family. Yeah. So I'm really, and then my wife, um, they, and they all had cancer. And then my wife just, you know, left for work in the morning, came home and found her gone, uh, which is the way, by the way, I want to die. I just want to go like one, two, three. If I, if, if I can put that request in and you have any way to, I'm going to write, I'm going to put it on the whiteboard right now, please, if you would. Um, so because of that, I sort of really feel that, that, if tomorrow's the day that I, that I'm not around anymore, I really want to try to enjoy today. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can't always, you know, work gets in the way there are stresses in work, but the, the, um, one of the bright spots of my life is that the last thing I ever said to my wife, and I'll give you the full thing. If I gave you the edited thing, it would sound really great. But the last thing I said to my wife was, I love you. I'll see you later for dinner. That's awesome. I'm happy that, that that was the last thing I ever said to her. Yeah. You know what I mean? I couldn't have been, I could have, I could have cut off the dinner part and then it would have been really been brilliant. Yeah. But you know what? That's every, awesome. Every day we have the opportunity to make a decision about how we're going to approach the day. Yeah. So I try to do my best to approach it positively. And the things that I read and the people that I hang out with, I, you know, I, I guess you sort of try to go places where you hear a lot of that. I mean, some of my, you know, I, I, I love listening to you. I, I love talking to other friends of mine. Um, whether they're having a good day or a bad day, they, they've got good things to share. Yeah. You know, and you try to be supportive of them when they're down. But I think the support's got to be a little bit more than just, you know, getting on Facebook and making a hyperbolic smiley face or, you know, using one of the new emojis, putting a heart up instead of a like thumb. Yeah. You know, I mean, you actually have to step up and call somebody or help somebody or pick up a meal or do something for someone who's not as, as fortunate as you are. Yeah. You know, so use more than your thumb. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, for sure. Bill, I, you've certainly made an impact on me and I just, I love what you do. I love every time I see you, you're like, uh, you know, you emanate just a positive outlook 
sometimes very funny. And uh, I just always love running into you. What's the best place? What's the best place? Best way for people to find out more about you? Uh, well, they can go to BillLublin.com. That's my speaking page. Awesome. Or they can they can always find me somewhere at c21ag.com or c21agvoices.com. Awesome. You know, the blogs we have there. Or RE Reflections. Oh, I almost forgot. That's where I rant on occasion. I have a new rant, I have a new rant coming up. <laughs> okay, good. I'm going to look forward to it. I do read your rants. Good. Um, Bill, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Seth. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com slash podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.